This week's episode is brought to you by the Film Rescue Show. The Film Rescue Show is a long-form podcast in which their crew and a guest fix a film every week. Want a good first episode? Check out episode 89 with Axel and myself, where he pitched fixes for the League of Extraordinary Drummond. Still waiting on that call, Warner Brothers. For fans of filmmaking, writing, and behind-the-scenes content, check out the Film Rescue Show on all your favorite podcasting sites today. Welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this, the darkest timeline. I'm Axel Wright, and with me as always is... Lord Commander Ulrich. Anyway, Ulrich, how are you doing today? Uh, pretty good. Not great, not bad, somewhere in the middle. This is very descriptive. <laughs> it's life in the 2021. I feel like the month doesn't matter at this point, because it's just the same cycle. Fair enough. I am sick and broke. So that's where I'm at. <laughs> Again, state of America. Yeah, and my phone's exploding, but I have to wait to check it till after we're done talking, because I am somewhat professional. <laughs> anyway, before we... Oh, and that's why I might sound weird if anyone's listening. I am <coughs> I am ill. I'm on the I'm like two days into the illness, so... I don't know if that means I'm on the up or the down, but uh, my throat isn't sore anymore, but I'm still congested and coughing, so eh, I'll try my best. Anyway, before we get into our topic, we have to do our patron sound-off. No, no, correction. We get to do our patron sound-off. It's a privilege. These are the people who support us in doing this, and I can't be happier to say who they are. They are Pam Galley, Marquis. Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, Arthur Crane, Kevin Vay, Brennan Agnew, John Vinnels, Kit Kenny, Seth Decker, Jesse Johnston, Donna Lucy, and Nathan Willis. And as I got like two-thirds through that, I realized that last time I did that in the the smooth jazz voice, and I forgot to do it this time. I'm sorry. I'll get I'll get back to it. My brain's in better <laughs> space. Anyway, if you would like to become a patron and have your name added to the list and have either Ulrich Micro Machine you or me smooth jazz you, or in this case, sick voice you. <laughs> Then head on over to Patreon Geeks with Shields it, for a, you know a dollar a month. That is at least twenty five cents an episode. We put out four or more things a month, and it goes a long way towards helping us with the podcast. Anyway, Ulrich, give us the topic. We're gonna talk R rated superheroes and see where that prompt takes us. Okay, then right off the bat, when you say R rated superheroes, I feel like my brain instantly goes to Deadpool. Because that was the first big R-rated superhero movie to be successful. Yeah, my mind more goes to Punisher and the likes that demand that R-rating. That's actually the first point I wanted to make, is that I feel like a lot of times with these characters that are R-rated, theoretically, they don't need to be to work. I get that there's a, a tendency in the fan culture to scoff at the pg-13 rating because it's kind of a way to i don't know like get that mass market appeal but deadpool himself taught me that the character can work in a pg setting because i've seen him happen in the cartoons and he still worked as far as i'm concerned as his character was he necessarily as funny as he is when he gets to curse and shoot people in the head and stuff Probably not, but he still works, and I think that's the case for a lot of characters. The question is, which characters really need that kind of freedom to to be an R-rated kind of character? Like, you mentioned the Punisher. 
I don't think he does, honestly. I think the Punisher can work just fine in a PG setting. I don't think he can. And we've talked at length about the stupidity of the rating system as it currently exists. True, we have. And that's a whole other episode. And so I will kind of circle back to that. I don't think Punisher can do an R rating, not because of the blood, the gore, the what have you. It's because the tone of a good Punisher story and the stuff he's dealing with, they're not going to let slide a PG-13. I don't know about that. I feel like the idea... Well, okay, when we're talking about the Punisher, the, the one of the basic problems there is that he's a character that has extremely different interpretations of him. Like the John Bernthal, which is the quote-unquote MCU, even though he's not, uh, version of the Punisher. MCU adjacent. Yeah, the MCU adjacent one from the Daredevil Netflix show and then his own show bears marginal resemblance to most of the comic interpretations. Some comics, and I will admit I'm not a aficionado on Punisher comics, so like I'm not claiming to know this very well. This is just based on what I've seen other people say. Yeah, there are some comics that Bernthal obviously pulled his uh, performance from, but for the most part, He's a very different kind of character, and his character, while he got to be in uh, essentially an R-rated show, I don't think necessitated it because this—that's the story of a, you know, a veteran dealing with essentially the crappy treatment of veterans and PTSD and stuff like that. Kind of stories that, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier handled actually pretty well without having to go to an R rating. So I don't know so much that Falcon Winter Soldier butted right up against it. But let's look at some of the big standout moments of the two Punisher seasons. And first, you had we'll do the Daredevil one when he's in the pawn shop. And when I say the pawn shop, you know what y'all seen I'm talking about. I actually don't. I don't remember. That's the one where he's buying all the guns and the pawn shop owner's like, hold on, I got something else. And he tries to sell him, you know, child porn. Oh, oh. And you immediately get, okay, this is the Punisher. He is going to do horrible things. They don't show you these horrible things, but I don't think you get that in your PG-13 movie. Okay, that's fair. I don't think you get the domestic terrorism plot from season one. I think you do. I think you totally can get the domestic terrorism plot. I don't think studios want to address domestic terrorism in their PG-13. I feel like they want to age gate that one away. And I don't think you get any of the real heavy PTSD style flashbacks. And I just don't know if you can do the brutality that kind of, you know, is the Punisher. Because he's a brutal character in how he dispenses his justice and what that sets him apart. And I don't think you can do that in a PG-13 rating and go, well, this guy feels different than Captain America because Captain America wouldn't do that. The one exception being we had the one scene... In Falcon Winter Soldier with John Walker decapitating a man with a shield. But no. I feel like that was as close as they wanted to get to. Well, also, keep in mind, Cap kills a lot of people. Like, I'm going back and rewatching Marvel right now. We just finished uh, we just finished Winter Soldier and started Guardian. So having watched Captain America, The Avengers, and Winter Soldier, Cap kills a lot of people. He doesn't do oh, yeah. it as, as gorily as you might you know think but he totally does so 100 percent. but i think it doesn't feel like cap just murdered three dudes because it's bloodless and i think there's the big defining difference the bloodless violence which is why 
again, I still am not convinced that Punisher is uh, our rare necessity because I think you can do a lot of his stories in an easily bloodless way. On the other hand, a character like Carnage, who in his interpret in his original interpretation is supposed to be red because that is literally the blood of his host coursing through the parasite who is vampiric in nature and needs to consume people like fully to stay alive, who is a literal horror movie monster built on a serial killer. That's the kind of character that I feel like you can make a shade of in a, in a less than R setting, but you can't really adapt without the hard R. See carnage. I go back and forth on in that he's a very much a character of the nineties and so much of what you just described is peak night dumb, <laughs> but when told well and done interestingly, that 100% would make for a fascinating, interesting character. And I do agree when you put the PG-13, you got to kind of trim around all that stuff. And it's like, all right, so you've just given me red venom. And even PG-13 venom's kind of dumb because you have to undercut all the people eating with haha jokes nah i think venom's fine because again venom is at his most interesting honestly when he's paired with spider-man like and when he's paired with spider-man you don't need him eating people or anything it's just him hating spider-man so i'm not interested in this care in this movie or how this character is being done that said i don't think that is a direct result of him not being R-rated. I think that's a whole other separate side issue. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually relatively interested in Let There Be Carnage, but part of that is because the first movie uh, was stupid fun. Like, I hated Riot and I hated the plot, but I thought Tom Hardy as Venom was really solid and made me laugh quite a bit. And Woody Harrelson is a killer actor. I mean, he's top ten of my actors, period. And putting him behind a, a character like Cletus Cassidy is fascinating to me and I, I look forward to seeing him in that same context because the weakest part of Venom was the villain and now you've got a good actor playing a a more interesting villain than Riot so it sucks that the symbiotes still look terrible but that's I don't know how to get around that so uh, there is a whole heap in other pilot issues I have but that's not what we're here to talk about we're here to talk about Carnage I would, lo- I would love for a good version of this movie because I believe Woody Harrelson is the perfect casting for Cletus Cassidy in that I have seen him play a terrifying psychopath in multiple say, roles. Yeah, but also I'm a big fan of Natural Born Killer, so seeing essentially him revive, in my eyes, revive uh, Mickey Knox, but <laughs> as a Marvel character is is exciting already, so... Yeah, no, I know he's got the chops, so I can't help but imagine what would it be like if we took off the shackles and like, all right, we are going to take this crazed serial killer, blood fueled monster and let that actually be that. And I'm trying to figure out what exactly that would entail, except not having to skirt around the edges of him being a serial killer and him gruesomely murdering people and have really kind of setting up. Hold on, hold on. Have you seen the latest trailer? Yes. Where he's doing absolutely horrific, nightmarish things to guards. I think the symbiote looks so bad that it really just kind of takes me out of any of that. I was about to say, man, I feel like they're not skirting around him being a serial killer at all with what he was doing to that guard in that in that trailer. It 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 unnerved me. 
So I was still caught up like, oh, the symbiotes look like just wet turds. <laughs> and again, I'm not going to disagree with that, but I'm, I'm just saying that I feel like uh, that they're not skirting around it right now based on the trailer anyway. <laughs> and I think that like, the biggest thing we talked about this in our R rating versus PG-13 is I feel that there's just a level of maturity to the storytelling they're not going to do at that PG-13. And I feel that you need that level of maturity to take Carnage from this dumb 90s character to this interesting villain. It's funny because I actually feel the opposite a lot of times. I feel like many well, I'm not times... Well, nothing you 100% go the opposite direction a la Snyder Cut, Batman says fuck, and we got an R rating for that. I think it's yeah. a fine balancing act. But in this <laughs> one, it a... feels it feels like we're lip-tipping the other way. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of times when you've got these kind of characters and you get up to an R rating, then your creators feel like it's a license to to do these R-rated things that makes the whole thing feel more juvenile and less mature. Hell, to me, some of the most mature storytelling I've seen in the last decade came from children's animation, which was limited, yeah. but they found ways to do mature storytelling. So... So, no, it's a whole tricky thing. So let's kind of, you know, what's another R-rated comic book character that kind of, you know, falls into this category? Because Venom, we talked about Skates the Edge. Carnage, we're going to see. I feel like this movie's going to make stupid amounts of money regardless because the first one made stupid amounts of money. Probably. <laughs> as long as it's funny, because it still seems funny to me. But uh, other comic book characters or of the like... um spawn yeah there's no way in hell you can do spawn but spawn spawn i don't know how you do spawn any period because that is is, you talked about 90s nonsense to me spawn is the apex the epitome the amalgamation of 90s edge in comics and you know what i get people who like spawn i i see the appeal i'm not a fan of him myself necessarily but i understand it and there actually is a you know, an interesting story at the heart of the character. It's just under a lot of, I I admit that I get, my senses kind of get overblown by overly tacky design. Yeah. No, Spawn has got too much going on. So yeah, it's the McFarlaneism of it all. And same reason I don't like Angela. I don't care that Neil Gaiman created her. I don't care. They've introduced her into Thor. I still don't like Angela because it just reeks of that spawn stupid over the top design but mm. i know i know they want to do more spawn and i know there are spawn fans and i think once you take it away from mcfarlane and his whole deal i think <laughs> at the core there's an interesting character to be had but there the question becomes well, what about him makes him intrinsically an r-rated character and i feel the obvious answer is well you got devils and <laughs> that seems to because america was founded by religious weirdos you want to well, talk satan well i mean we're kind of running low on time but what does really deserving of an r rating mean is that Something that is, uh, I don't know, particularly, I guess I imagine, first of all, it's got to be something either particularly foul or particularly gory as, like, inherently part of it. Well, this is why I said Carnage is because, again, him being red is supposed to be uh, Cleese Cassidy's blood, literally. I'm going to swap Um, gory for violent because there is a certain threshold of violence. And I I guess that's where Deadpool works. I think Deadpool 
as much as there is all the dumb fuck shit jokes, you can squeeze those under with even more fun, you know, bleepings and him reacting to the bleepings. But you don't get the creative kills and carnage in a PG-13 Deadpool. Just like you don't get the cool berserker moments in a PG-13 Wolverine. Just like you don't get the cool disemboweling stuff and insanity. Yeah, well, Wolverine, Wolverine is a perfect example. He's a character whose entire main mode of offense is I have six butcher knives strapped to my hands. And yet, as far as I can tell, he has worked magnificently in many pictures and cartoons or whatever where he couldn't actually stab someone. Yes, I would say Wolverine straddles that line. And I'm going to call it I'm going to call it here. I'm coining this phrase. It's the He-Man effect in that in the old 80s He-Man, everyone had swords, but they weren't allowed to use. them. So it's when you have a cool character that's like, oh, he does violent stuff. But because of the rating, he can't be too violent. And there the character becomes inherently less interesting because they're shackled. Like, boy, I would sure love to, you know, do violence. But I call that kids in the audience. I personally call that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 paradigm, because uh, for anyone who doesn't yes. know, in the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie from the 90s, they had weapons. Two of them have bladed weapons, and they used them just fine. Leonardo cut Shredder's arm with a sword, but in the second movie, they wanted to go more child-friendly. So you instead of Michelangelo beating up Foot Clan with sausages and stuff, and they couldn't use their weapons to actually harm people anymore. So... Yeah, and I think that is at the heart of this discussion, is when does a superhero character become confined by the things they can't do anymore? That, okay, all right. So if if the story you're writing of the character is now, is actually hindered by ones they can't do due to rating, that's that's a pretty good kind of answer, because I feel like, even though I still don't agree about Punisher, I feel like that is a good metric to use why punisher should have an r it's a good metric to use why while i still think deadpool works just fine without it he's he is still better off with it and that would mean again same deal with carnage probably and it also means that characters like wolverine who work not just well but you know perfectly well without it can make good use of it he's like the opposite he's like the oh we're not even really thinking about him actually stabbing people writing these stories but now we're allowed to okay let's see what we can do with that so it's that real it straddles that line it's like i can work on either side and i don't know how many characters really exist in that little you know sweet spot like captain america when blood starts showing up on the shield captain america like oh no this isn't fun anymore when Iron Man, you know, vaporizes people? No, no, this isn't fun anymore. <laughs> There's also the fact that, you know, they heavily have to pull their punches because Spider-Man and Captain America, people like them would literally explode people's heads if they didn't. Or the fact that Thor's hammer could literally disintegrate a human. So <laughs> Yeah, so that needs to be on the not bloody violent because when you do that, it's not fun anymore in the way you think it would be because when Spider-Man punches somebody and his fist comes out the other side holding his heart, you're like, Oh no, 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 no. That feels wrong somehow. (laughs) I I do also think it's in, it's in presentation. Obviously it's in what the character is supposed to be about, which is why spawn. I feel like he's built from the ground up to be that kind of thing. So like without, if you take away his ability to, 
have like horrible, you know, burning and and devils and demonic stuff and very adult themes. It's like, well, what what are you left with? Like, what really is Spawn outside? And maybe that's me. <laughs> maybe that's me uh, making little of Spawn. I'm sure a Spawn fan will tell me there's actually a whole lot more to him. I know he's got like you know an actual tragic kind of story and whatnot, but I'm just saying that. It, it feels like that is a lot of the reason why he exists in the first place to be a really edgy, you know, demon character. And I don't know. I, I guess another example, uh, this is going to go a little bit different here, would be like Kratos from God of War, who was, you know, built from the beginning to be a a Spartan soldier whose very R-rated exploits led directly to his Greek tragedy in the first game. And Without that, without seeing him literally brutally murder his way through Sparta and then do the same thing to his his wife and child, the idea of the ghost of Sparta, I feel like, loses a lot of the entire impact and meaning. So, like, I think he needs that to be uh, for that story to be effective, you know? Yeah. And it's that's a great example there, because I don't I never got into the original trilogy of God of War because I thought it was just too juvenile in a sense and over the top this the third game that is definitely true the second game it's half true the first game that's not true at all the first game is actually a really good greek tragedy but anyway but by the time you got to the new god of war they found the secret blend to do a little bit of both and have it work in a way that you know like oh this is a really fun enjoyable game now it doesn't feel like a pizza cutter you know yeah that's true all right, well, I'm not sure exactly where we go with this conversation. I think we've basically been discussing, like, what makes a character, quote-unquote, need an R rating. And I don't think we really hit an answer. The closest we seem to get is that if if writing stories for them feels itself handicapped without it, but that's such a vague, hard-to-define thing, I I don't know. If you're I like the idea of you ask yourself a question of what are the defining features of this character? Will these defining features be limited if I have to put these caps on them? And typically that cap is sex and violence. So if your character is a character that runs around with his dick out and punches people's hearts out, those are his <laughs> two key defining features. You're not going to make that work in a PG. Well, that actually could be. No, it's not going to work in a PG-13. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know, I know what you're saying, but at the same time, Spider-Man has a lot of sex and violence. Not to that degree, but a lot of sex and violence. I was like, so, do you have the same thought I did where it's just black bars everywhere and it's a comedy? Uh, the, now the thought crossed my head. Because that's what I'm thinking. It's just, it's nothing but black bars and censored, and it's all a joke of, you know what's happening over there, and that in itself is the humor. Maybe we should do a reverse of this and talk about G-rated heroes that work. Like, I mean, you mentioned He-Man. Now you think He-Man is a G-rated hero that works, but we can have that discussion another time. And yeah. and if you're listening, you know, tell us what your thoughts are, what you think me makes a character need a certain rating, putting aside the whole fact that the rating system is stupid in the first place. So, well, yeah, what do you think? Yep. And let us know, like, who's your favorite R-rated character and who do you think is firmly rooted in? If they did this R, it would be wrong. Anyway. And you can't say Superman because that's the obvious choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I have thoughts on that. But anyway. 
Thank you for listening. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe. The more people see this, the more we grow, the more we grow, the more we can do. I am too ill to come up with a spin on on that on that paragraph right now. I'm sorry, people. I'll do better next time. <laughs> and you can find us and share us at the following platforms: SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Pocket Cast, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Now, if there's one on there that you're like, hey, why aren't you on this one? It's because you didn't leave us a comment telling us to go check whatever this one is out. We've tried to hit all the major ones, but I know there are like a thousand and one other minor podcasting sites. As always, this has been Axel Wright. And the Shield Brother, Lord Commander Ulrich. Be sure to tune in next time, and as always, stay honorable.